Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message is taken from the Gospel lesson. I want to read again to you verses 18 and 19. And this is what Jesus says to Peter after he has made a wonderful confession. He says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's the basis for our, our message. Well, Sven's dad was getting older and he was starting to lose his hearing. It's gotten to the point where he couldn't hear much at all. And so when he went to church, he couldn't hear the sermon from the pastor. When the choir sang, he had no idea what they were singing because he couldn't understand it. It was tough for him to even sing along with the hymns. And so one day after church, Sven goes to his dad, well, why do you even go to church? You can't understand a word of what's going on. And he said, I just want all my neighbors to know which side I'm on. <laughs> he understood that, that going to church was a confession of faith. And it is. Your very presence here is a confession of faith. But what is that confession? Well, today in the Gospel lesson, we are reminded specifically and exactly what that confession is. That when we gather together, we are confessing what Peter confessed. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. What's interesting, when Peter makes that confession, Jesus then gives a promise to that. A promise for Peter. But it's not only a promise for Peter, but it's a promise for you and for me. And so today we're going to look especially, focus in on that text that our gospel was in. But especially that text that I read. Jesus' answer and promise to Peter after he makes that confession. So if we go to the text, we see that Jesus kind of highlights and drives the disciples to this confession. He asks, who do people say that I am? They give an answer. Then he asks specifically, who do you say that I am? And then Peter makes that wonderful confession. But after Peter makes that confession, Jesus says to him, and this is the first promise, on this rock I will build my church. So after hearing, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus says that confession, that confession that you are the Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, is the foundation of his church. And that the Lord is going to build that church. And what he's making clear is the church is not built on men. It's not built on Peter. It wouldn't work. I mean, think about Peter. What did we hear a couple weeks ago? He had this wonderful example of faith, but then he took his eyes off the Lord, and what did he do? He sank. If you know what happens next in the text after this gospel lesson, Jesus explains to him what it means to be the Christ, and Peter says, no, it can never be. And Jesus actually says to him, get behind me, Satan. Peter is up and down, right? How can you build on that? The church needs to be built on something solid, something that doesn't change, something that continues. It cannot be built on Peter, nor any other man. And people have tried down through the years to, to, to link um, personalities and people to the church as the foundation. There's even a temptation to, to think that the church is built on Martin Luther or in some circles on John Calvin or, or some other pastor. And, and none of it works, right? Because all of them are sinners. All fail. All are up and down. It can't be built on others. It's built on Christ. The church is built on the foundation of Christ being our Savior and the Son of the living God. And because it's Christ that builds the church, that he says, I will build. It's also his church says, I will build my church. And sometimes this is a concept that's difficult for people to swallow. Because we think of it, it's our church. But it's not our church. It's the Lord's church. 
It's the Lord who built it. Even when Peter makes the confession, Jesus says, flesh and blood has then not been revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. The Lord brought Peter to faith. Who is it that brought you to faith? Is it not the Lord? The Lord brings about faith. The Lord creates the ability in our hearts to trust and believe, to, to make this confession. And as such, it's, it's his church. The temptation for us is to want the church to do what we want it to do. Or what we think is right. And, and our Lord reminds us it's his church. He gives it direction. He's the one that gives it purpose. And we are to constantly look to him to lead and to guide us to follow his will and his direction. Now, that's always the evaluation of the church. What is it that the Lord wants us to do? That's what we are called to do. But, but Jesus continues on. After saying that it's his church and he will build it, he then says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Notice how the second one is tied to the first one, right? Because the Lord builds the church, the church does not fail. That which God establishes and makes can last forever. That which man makes as eventually falls apart, right? But that which the Lord makes stands forever. And this is a wonderful promise. In the midst of misunderstanding and even opposition. Because there was misunderstanding and opposition at the time of Christ. Jesus highlights that in the conversation, right? How did this conversation start? Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Jesus is kind of setting the stage, right? He's saying, what's the rumor about me? What do people think about me? And they give an answer that, that's interesting. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah and one of the prophets. There is kind of a theme to them, right? That the, the, the people that they are associating Jesus with are godly people, people who speak the word. But it's not a complete answer, is it? They don't see Jesus as the Savior. Jesus isn't the Messiah. Jesus isn't the one that was promised. Their answer falls short. They don't truly understand who Jesus is. And not only does the world not truly understand who Jesus is, the world is at times in opposition to it. And if you read up the chapters of Matthew coming up to this section, you will notice the opposition that is shown by the, the Pharisees, the scribes, the chief priests. Um, previously, last week, we talked about the, the battle that they had about what is it to be clean or to be unclean. The, the people that disagreed with Jesus stood in opposition. So it's in that midst of opposition that the disciples were sensing and seeing. Jesus makes this wonderful promise. The gates of hell, hell should not prevail against the church. Nothing shall prevail against this church. And that's his promise to us. Because the promise given to Peter is the promise given to us. And this is a promise we need to hear. I started the service asking, do you ever worry about the church and what's happening in our world and our society? Our human nature is to worry. We worry about family, we worry about friends. We worry about congregation. We worry about the church. It's part of our human nature. That's why we need to hear Jesus' words here, that, that it will prevail. Because when we look out in the world, we see lots of misunderstanding about who Jesus is. We, we see opposition. Because if we were to answer the how would you answer the question Jesus gave to the disciples? Who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do people say Jesus is? And there's a whole range, isn't there? You've got people who say, well, he's Lord. You've got people who say, well, he's a good teacher. He was a philosopher. Some um, would also say that he misled people. And it's interesting, as you, as you go through society, I, I have heard Jesus used as a pacifist, an environmentalist, 
as a vegetarian, someone whose name's been used to, to promote war, to stop war. You go on and on with just about anything people attach the name of Jesus to. But if you look carefully, what are they attaching Jesus' name to? The things they agree with. The things that they like, right? And we may be offended by that and say, well, how could they do that? But, but we have to be careful. It's easy for us to fall into that pit. It's really easy for us to think those things that are important to us, well, they must be important to God. Our view on, on issues and our view on things must be God's view on things. There is a danger of making Jesus what we want him to be rather than who he is. And isn't that one of the reasons we gather here every week? For the Lord to reveal to us who he is so that he can shape our minds and our hearts to see him as he has revealed himself within the word and within the scripture. Because all those images of Jesus that people make of themselves, from themselves, all those images are going to fail. Church built on man's idea of who Jesus is will never succeed. But the church built on Christ and what he has revealed himself, the Messiah, the, the son of the living God, that will stand. That this promise is true that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church is true because the Lord didn't come as we wanted him to come or as the world wanted him to come. It's because he came the way that we needed him to come. That he came to be our savior. He came as the promised savior of old, the Christ, the Messiah, to fulfill all that the Old Testament had promised about him. He, he came as the son of the living God who took on flesh to suffer and to die and to rise, to conquer sin, death, and Satan. Because he has been what we needed, now the church that places its trust and is built upon him will always be there. It will always prevail. We have a God who's entered into history. And isn't that a comfort to know that they're always going to be the church? Now, there are congregations that come and go, denominations can even come and go, but the church, there will always be people on this earth who believe Jesus suffered, died, and rose for them. We will never be alone. There will always be a remnant of those who understand Jesus as Lord because the Lord is going to protect, lead, and guide it. He's going to build and maintain it. That leads us to the third part. Jesus has told Peter that he's going to build the church He's told Peter that he's going to maintain the church. So the question then comes, well, how is he going to do that? Well, he tells Peter, you're going to be the one through whom we're going to do this. You and the apostles. Because that's what he's saying when he says to him, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The Lord is going to build his church. The Lord is going to maintain his church. But he's going to do it through his people. He's going to do it through the apostles. Here, Peter, who spoke on behalf of the, uh, the rest of the disciples about this faith that, they, that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we are to understand that all the disciples understood that as well. And so he says to the Peter, I give you the keys. I give to you and to the apostles the keys of the kingdom. And the keys of the kingdom, as I said in the children's message, is think about what is it that opens the door to heaven. It's forgiveness. The only way to, to enter into the presence of a holy and righteous God is to have our sins washed away. The keys to the kingdom, as we confessed as part of the small catechism, the keys is that, that announcement of forgiveness that the Lord gives. 
It's tied to this confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that all who believe this, all who trust that, all who acknowledge this, have their sins forgiven. And so when he says to Peter, I give you these keys, he's telling him to go forward with this message, to go forward. He and the apostles are going to go out and proclaim this message. And as they go out and proclaim this message, he's going to build his church. Just as he brought Peter to faith and the other apostles to faith, he's going to bring others to faith. He's going to draw people to himself through this powerful word. And as they preach and proclaim Christ as the Messiah, the Son of the living God, they announce forgiveness. And that forgiveness is as if it was done in heaven. That, that when they announce the forgiveness through Christ to those who believe, heaven is opened for them. That, that indeed what is done on earth takes place in heaven. That, that heaven is open to all who believe and receive this. And so that's how he was going to build the church. But keep in mind, that's how he's going to continue to build the church. It wasn't just Peter and the apostles. It's you and me. Because we are heirs of this promise. We are heirs of this confession. <coughs> that this is the way the Lord is going to continue to do this through you and me, living out our life of faith. As we go forward with the, this confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, others are going to hear that. Others are going to be brought to faith. Others are going to receive forgiveness that we get to announce. And, and we remain in the kingdom, and the kingdom prevails as we hear our own absolution, like we did today. Hearing again and again that, that we are forgiven re, keeps us within the church and, and maintains the church. And as we tell others, the church gets built. And this is what's important for us. Because as our Lord speaks about that, the way that this is the way the church is going to go, it's also a warning that we can't deviate from it. There's a temptation to, to kind of change the confession or, or to change the message. When we face opposition and misunderstanding in the world, the temptation is to modify it to fit in with the rest of the world. But our Lord is warning us here that, that when we change it, when we modify the confession, if it's not the confession that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, that we proclaim, that then we're no longer that church. And this is what we always have to do as a congregation, as individuals, as the church, is what we are doing confessing Jesus as our Savior. Is what we are doing confessing that Jesus is the true God who has come and taken on flesh, who has died for us, who has risen for us. And we have to keep in mind that that is our focus. There's lots of other things that people want to do in the church, but this is our task. Our task is, is to rely on this confession and to trust that as we do this, God will bless it. We don't have to do anything to it or add to it to make it more acceptable. We just simply have to be faithful. And that's ultimately what God desires of us. He desires us to be faithful. Faithful as a congregation, faithful as, as individuals, faithful to his word. Sharing the message of Christ as the son of the living God who suffered, died, and rose. Again, as we see Peter making his confession, we are reminded that we also are called to make a confession. But keep in mind, not only do you make that confession today in worship, which we've done and we're doing, but we make this confession when we leave here. That, that, that as we live out our life, we are confessing who Jesus is. As we live a life of, of mercy and of love and forgiveness, 
for demonstrating to our family, to our friends, and our neighbors who Jesus is and what he's come to do. And we rely upon him for us to do this. Because if we try to do it on our own, we'll fail. But the Lord who brought you to faith is the Lord who will lead and guide you in faith. That you can live that out. He'll place upon you the love and the peace and the joy that you can share. And that others will recognize in you a love that Christ has for them. Because he made you part of the church. And not only now, but forever. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all human understanding guide our hearts and minds to true faith and life everlasting. Amen.